ahead and get started. Um, we're really looking forward to this presentation. Hi, I'm Hannah Riley Bowles. I'm the research director here at the Women in Public Policy Program, where we are dedicated to closing gender gaps in uh, political and economic participation, health and education. And uh, welcome to our seminar series uh, toward that larger aim. Um, today, I'm very excited uh, to introduce uh, Julia Lee, who's one of our um, star uh, doctoral students and a WAP fellow uh, here. Um, uh, Julia does uh, research in the area of judgment and decision making, and, and a stream of her research relates to gender, and today we're going to hear about her work on gender morality. So thank you very much. And Julia said she encourages questions during the presentation. As um, Hannah introduced, um, I study judgment and decision making, but I also study organizational behavior, um, and, and I am hoping to uh, uh, come up with interventions to make organizations more inclusive, um, and so this uh, project sort of fits with that uh, overall goal of my research. Um, and, uh, and during my presentation, since this is uh, very early work, um, I would uh, like to ask you to think about what, what next and uh, where are the sort of new database that I can potentially find interesting uh, patterns and all that. That would be super helpful. Um, all right, so I'm gonna start with a question for all of you. I'm sure yeah, a lot can of you- Can we ask you to speak up a little bit? Sure. There's this noise in the air conditioning. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, can everyone hear me well? Great, awesome. Um, so uh, some of you may have heard um, about this riddle, and I, I'm just going to read it. Um, a young boy and a, his father are in a car accident, and the father dies at the scene. And the boy is transported to the hospital, taken immediately to the um, emergency room and surgery. And, um, but the surgeon steps out of the operating room and says, I can't operate on this boy. He's my son. And how is this possible? Does anybody know the answer to this question? Yes? The surgeon is a woman. <laughs> yes, the surgeon is the mother. That's the sort of the most logical answer that people, I, I expected people to get to. But again, um, this is, um, I call this a riddle because a lot of people actually didn't get to that conclusion because they tend to associate surgeons with males and not uh, mothers or females. And so one of the beautiful thing about being an experimentalist is that whenever I have these lingering questions about how people respond to these things, I, I can go and, and do an experiment or ask these questions. And so I actually went to an um, online, uh, I, I asked um, 123 online participants to um, uh, answer this question, the same question that I posed. and. Um, and luckily, 60% of the people uh, get to this um, logical conclusion that it's, it's the mother. Um, and the 41% of the people said that uh, it must be somebody else. <laughs> and um, I was really puzzled by this result. I mean, how could people get to the other answers? I mean, you have to be really creative to <laughs> get to the other answers. And so, um, yes? So if you want to be really yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was actually one of the answers that I got. <laughs> so, um, so here are the very creative answers that I received from the participants. I mean, there was no time pressure on answering these questions, and so people had enough time to think about it, and they got really creative. And so, <laughs> so the stepfather was one, and the boy's biological father, the sperm donor, somehow magically appeared in the operating room, and the other father from a gay marriage, and, um, and grandfather, uncle, and the dead father somehow revived in the operating room. And <laughs> some people said, I, I, I can't answer to this. This is too difficult to answer. And, and some of them said, Jesus, I thought that was the most creative one. Um, and some of you may wonder uh, if there was any gender difference in answering these questions. And, and unfortunately, what we see is uh, not so much. So both females and males responded in a similar way when it comes to getting to the uh, most logical answer, which is the surgeon is the mother. And 
the next video is the, some, something that uh, a collaborator of mine, David Tannenbaum, sent me about a week ago, and I wanted to sort of share this with you, since um, especially uh, if you haven't seen it yet. Downside to having a woman president, right? Something, something that, that may not fit with that office, correct? She lied to the American people with a casket right next to her. So I think her confidence. 
residency is going to be the question, just like with any woman. But but any politician is going to be questioned if. All right. (laughs) So that was a long video, but I thought it was um, worth sharing uh, it with you because it sort of nicely captures the idea that um, there's got to be a downside to woman leadership and and, uh, there must be this bias about uh, male leadership as well, being macho. And so, um, and so this is a quote from um, uh, the former Secretary of State, uh, Madeleine Albright's memoir, and she said, as I began to climb the ladder, I had to cope with the different vocabulary used to describe similar qualities in men, which is confident, take charge, and committed, and woman, bossy, aggressive, and emotional. And, and so if women leaders had acted the way Arafat and uh, Barack did during Camp David, uh, which was a negotiation that failed between Israel and Palestinian, um, they would have been dismissed as menopausal. <laughs> and um, again, this, was, this is what women, female leadership at the top has to face, um, this type of double standard. They, they always have this discounted view on their competence and um, and, and that's the sort of a topic that I, I wanted to sort of focus more on. And uh, um, so here's some theory. So we have this um, theory uh, called social role theory, which is based on uh, the stereotypical role that uh, males and females take in a society. So we tend to view men as a breadwinner. And so uh, they tend to be associated with being more agentic. And so aggressive, determined, competitive, driven, ambitious, tough, um, independent, task-focused, um, controlled, self-reliant, and political. So these are the all the sorts of related traits that describe uh, typically men. And uh, we also have, uh, so on the other uh, uh, end of the spectrum, women tend to be viewed as a com- communal because they have this role in a society that's traditionally caregiver than uh, breadwinner. And so all these traits, supportive, interpersonal, empathic, friendly, sensitive, compassionate, kind, helpful, um, gentle, affectionate, and sympathetic. All these traits are uh, associated with being woman and and communal. And um, so based on this uh, social role theory, um, uh, academics also uh, came up with this theory, which is called um, role incongruity theory. It's basically uh, based on this idea of mismatch between um, expectations about women and expectations about leaders. Um, And and it is that mismatch that underlies the prejudice against female leaders. And and because you have this idea that women must be more communal and and men must be uh, more agentic, the leadership positions that are uh, generally associated with being more agentic um, may seem may seem like it's not a good fit with the female leaders, and and so because of that we have this um, uh, uh, very predominant idea that when you think about manager you tend to uh, think about male, and so main managers also link um, competence with being male and also being uh, masculine uh, in in their behavior. And, and because of these biases, women have to show a clear evidence that uh, they can perform uh, even better than uh, men do um, to be seen as equally competent. Right? So this is the sort of uh, theories that I am drawing from. Um, but what I'm proposing here is that this link between leadership and masculinity uh, might be driven by the very decisions that they make on an everyday basis. So rather than just think of thinking about the social roles that the society uh, we have been exposed to uh, repeatedly, um, it may be the decisions that leaders make that may characterize uh, um, or signal different uh, characters of the leaders. And so, uh, and and one of the decisions that I was mostly uh, interested in was the moral decision. And so when there is a moral conflict between what's uh, doing what's best for the greater good um, by doing the cost-benefit analysis versus doing no harm, um, <coughs> these type of decisions, so where, wh- what type of decision you make when you, are, when you have this choice between utilitarian and deontological decision may um, guide our inferences and evaluations about, about these leaders. Um, and so my research question is, 
is there an association between utilitarian decision making and masculinity um, or being male? So that's one question. And my other question is, what are the implications of this association between being, uh, making utilitarian decisions and being male or being masculine? Um, so I'm sure a lot of you may be familiar with this um, trolley problem. And this is, um, uh, it was popularized by uh, Professor Josh Green in the psychology department. And uh, his whole dissertation was about uh, this dilemma and what's the sort of role of cognition and emotion uh, in making these um, moral dilemma decisions. And so in the first scenario, as you can see, the trolley is coming towards this di direction and you can't really stop them before you kill, uh, that trolley kills the five people. But by, by pressing the button or uh, uh, pull the lever of the switch or something like that, you can change the way the trolley's heading. So by changing that, you can just kill one person instead of kill five people. I know it's a horrible story, but, but that's, um, <laughs> so that's a very famous uh, uh, dilemma in philosophy. And um, when, when we asked, well, not me, but when the psychologists asked this question to, uh, to the study participants, like how, <coughs> what would you have done in this situation? Um, the answer was that predominantly that uh, I would uh, press the switch so that I will just kill one person instead of five people, right? So that I can, so by sacrificing one person, I can save five people. Um, but in the second one, although you can't really see it, there is no other direction or other track, and it's the same situation. So the trolley is uh, heading towards these five workers who are on the track, and um, if you don't stop it, it'll kill these five people. And you're standing on the, on the footbridge, and there is another heavier person, so if you push that person off the bridge, it'll come right before the trolley, and, and it'll stop the trolley, but this person will definitely die. Right, and so in this situation, when when we ask the same question to the participants, a lot of people said, "Oh my God, I can't possibly do this because of this visceral feeling that I cannot uh, condone murder with my own hands." So there was a lot more emotional response uh, associated with this type of dilemma, and uh, and so uh, what. Uh, what this dilemma sort of shows us is that um, there is always this conflict between rational cognitive processes and emotional processes that are in conflict. Um, and I wanted to do a little more research on, on this topic and uh, sort of think about, think about the determinants of what makes us, um, uh, what guides us toward more utilitarian decision making and what guides us toward more deontological decision making. Um, and this is another research uh, that I did on, uh, along the same line, and uh, it was called Poker Face Morality because I was interested in um, how concealing and try to suppress uh, emotional reactions uh, lead to more utilitarian decision making. Um, and so in the first study, uh, we found that individuals who endorsed uh, utilitarian option versus deontological option were much more likely to suppress emotions when they had to uh, make these decisions and explain that to uh, other people, as you may expect, yes? Was this study also with the COVID problem, or? Uh, this was, no, it wasn't actually. It was more realistic uh, work-related uh, scenario where uh, a manager is supposed to fire people um, versus not to save the company. Um, and then in the second study, what we found was that, uh, so um, in the second study, we actually manipulated the instructions that we've given to different participants. So um, one group was randomly assigned to this condition where they were told to suppress emotions, and then they were also told to watch a video called Vertical Limit. And uh, I don't know how many of you, again, have watched this video, um, but there is a mountain accident and, and, and the entire family ends up on, on one rope. And there is a daughter at the top and son in the middle, and then the father is at the, uh, at the end of the rope. And the rope is not strong enough to hold all <coughs> the people. 
And so the father tells the son who's in the middle to cut the rope in between him and the son such that the two, two of these kids will live but uh, he will die. And, and so we stopped the video right before the, the um, son is making the decision to kill his own father or not. Again, terrible movie, but um, not the movie itself, but terrible scenario. Uh, but we used it to sort of study whether uh, people who are told to suppress emotions will have a different uh, preference for utilitarian versus uh, non-utilitarian responses. And, and that's exactly what we found. <coughs> so people who are told to uh, suppress emotions while watching this movie were more likely to say, uh, yes, I'm going to kill my father. And, uh, and there was another study uh, where we sort of wanted to separate out uh, this um, instructions and the moral dilemma situation because there might be this um, preconception that uh, when I'm told to suppress my emotions, I may uh, make decisions that seem less emotional. And so uh, we, did, we gave the same instructions to two different group of people and, and they were now not looking at the moral dilemmas but they were uh, looking at the um, something very graphic, something that's very uh, disturbing. And so these were just the images of like cockroaches and dirty toilets and all these things that sort of, uh, uh, that is supposed to induce negative emotions and disgust and stuff like that. Um, and, and then much later they uh, saw a series of moral dilemmas uh, situations and made the decisions. And although there was no relationship between these negative stimuli and, and the uh, decision-making later, people who are told to suppress emotions again made more utilitarian decisions. And although this is not really about gender, um, I thought there is a possibility that um, because uh, people have certain expectations of women being more emotionally mo uh, driven and men being less emotionally driven, that might be uh, explaining this um, notion that men must be more utilitarian. Um, Julia? Yes? Out of interest, um, since I haven't done this before, how does one suppress oh, uh, emotion and how do you measure it? How do I uh, measure it? So, uh, so the very instructions that we give people are used in emotion regulation literature very often, um, and and that is usually it goes like this. So please um, suppress your facial expressions and and any emotional reactions while you are watching the uh, video, such that people who are looking at you or who are in the same room wouldn't know what you're feeling inside. So that's how we uh, manipulated the. Uh, emotion suppression and uh, and the measurement is I think we did um, ask them to self-report how much uh, suppression that they actually did during the video and and that was the sort of a self-reported manipulation check but we didn't actually measure who suppressed better or not but that's an, that's an interesting question that uh, we didn't get to measure in, in more detail okay any more questions so far and this is a uh, research done by my collaborator, David uh, Tenenbaum, and his other collaborators. And he used this classic uh, moral dilemma situation. It's called lifeboat um, moral dilemma. And, uh, and so in this one, it's basically the same thing. So you're choosing between maximizing life safe versus doing no harm, right? And uh, you end up with a lot of people on the same lifeboat, but then it's only for four people or uh, five people. And so you have to somehow throw uh, an injured man off the boat to uh, survive. So otherwise, all of you will die, including yourself, right? And, and so uh, in this situation, uh, so what David did was to uh, randomize uh, what the agent the decision that the agent made. And so in the utilitarian condition, um, the scenario goes, explains what, what the situation is, and then uh, this um, uh, main agent, the leader of the group, makes a decision to throw this person off the boat, um, whereas in the deontological decision case, um, this person does not do it, although that means that all of uh, the group will die. And then we ask people, not we, um, they ask people to evaluate this action as a moral action, whether it was the right thing to do, whether it was morally appropriate, 
and also we um, ask the um, as to evaluate this moral agent's character, right? So there's a difference between this person, this person's character and moral integrity, and and the decision itself. And what's really interesting in this um, research is that there was a clear dissociation between how people evaluated the acts versus the person. Um, and it's probably difficult to see, but then the dark bars are um, utilitarian decision. It's called the cons consequentialist decision, but they're, they're essentially the same thing. And uh, the white bars are the uh, deontological decision. Um, and so when we asked about the um, whether this was the right thing to do, or was it morally appropriate or morally right, uh, uh, morally right thing, um, most people said it was the uh, right thing to do for the utilitarian case. So people thought that the act of throwing someone off the boat was the right thing to do, but then when they evaluated the person who did that, they didn't actually thought that that was a nice, or not nice, but that was the morally uh, moral person or morally good person. And, and um, what they found was that this dissociation um, between acts and person was driven by inferences that we make about this agent's trait empathy. Um, so because when you observe a person who's making a hard, tough decision but a utilitarian decision, you see that person uh, having to kill someone, essentially, push someone off the footbridge type of decision. And so although you think that this might be the right thing to do for the greater good, you may think that that person must be so uh, lacking empathy uh, inside because otherwise how do you do that? How do you really kill someone uh, cold-blooded murder basically? And so uh, because of that they were viewed as having less trade empathy where uh, as people who made deontological decision although that may have killed everyone uh, on the boat um, they were their character was assessed uh, more positively. Yes? So, yeah, there, um, they did a series of studies like this one and used different types of dilemmas that involves the self um, versus not. And so there were many different types of moral <coughs> dilemmas um, uh, they had and, and they used all of them and they basically found the same kind of, uh, uh, pa the same patterns of the data. So, yeah. yeah? Uh, in this one, not really. So they didn't find any much uh, gender difference in terms of how they responded to uh, evaluating uh, act versus person. There was no gender difference. And also, going back to my other study, um, this one, I did here, again, um, I did not observe much of a gender difference. the third option and that's actually in fact um, the, the question that comes up a lot uh, so th people think that um, so so it's natural that there people uh, come up with different ways of dealing with this dilemma and um, we wanted to sort of focus on two 
only two uh, potential options just so that uh, we drive people to the either extreme. <coughs> and, and so that is why we presented that there are only two options and you have to choose from one of them. But you're absolutely right in that um, there's always this third option that I'll just kill myself or jump myself to uh, stop the trolley. Although in, in the other, in the trolley dilemma, uh, we made that the person that you're pushing to be heavier so that it's more realistic uh, that that person will stop the trolley but not me. was because this is um, this sort of dichotomy was um, how it was used in, in other research uh, when 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 uh, researchers asked about what decisions um, people made um, but again if I had a third option of sacrificing myself I, I bet that my act would be probably uh, rated really high and also the character would be rated high so that would be my guess but uh, but we didn't include that in this one, just, uh, yeah. And, and there are some other research that supports um, this view that uh, utilitarian actions have these negative consequences in terms of character evaluation, uh, which is that utilitarians uh, score also high in sociopathy, and they score low in, in empathic concerns and empathy. Uh, and so, um, so based on the results um, from my own study and from David's study, we thought um, it will be interesting to test these hypotheses. The first one that I'm going to show you today is that um, people will have a biased estimate of uh, the gender gap when ma agent who's making the decision uh, let me go back actually. People will have a biased estimate of a gender gap when the agent is making a utilitarian choice because they tend to overestimate that, uh, overestimate males' tendency to make a uh, utilitarian choice, right? And the second hypothesis I had was that people will associate utilitarian decision making with masculinity. So the reason why I sort of separate out this um, second hypothesis was that you may think that this is more about male versus female, but even among males, there might be a difference um, based on uh, how masculine they are. So that's the second hypothesis. I think there was a question in the back. Yeah. about that actually, but uh, we didn't take that into account. We only recruited from the US sample, though there might be different cultures going on. But I heard that the collectivist cultures tend to uh, make more utilitarian choices. So the, when we researchers use the Chinese sample, they were more likely to make utilitarian decisions. Um, but I don't remember the details of why that is the case, and so let me find that article for you later. Um, and the third hypothesis that I had was that the utilitarian decisions made by female leaders will be viewed as less moral, moral and, and therefore they will um, have to face this negative leadership evaluations. Um, and so in study so one. Just a quick question. Yeah? So your hypothesis being it is, is extreme. You're saying it's the act, not just the person. Right before you told us people are more comfortable with the act than with the person. But you right. now is hypothesis. Right, the it's the act. act. Yeah. Even the act, mm -hmm. not just the person. Yes, so that sort of goes beyond what yeah. we uh, had before, uh, because now we are making uh, the agent either female or male. Um, and so in the first study, we recruited 250 online participants from Mechanical Turk, and using the within subject design, uh, we randomized these three blocks, which I'm going to uh, explain to you later. Um, and so each person saw uh, to a total of 15 uh, different moral dilemmas uh, that involve self or not, and so there are all sorts of different types of moral dilemmas in there. Um, and, 
and this is the basically the design. So in the decision-making uh, task, we asked, do you find the agent's decision, uh, utilitarian decision, morally acceptable? And then, yes, the answer was yes or no. And so this was to estimate um, what's, the, what's the sort of the descriptive thing, uh, uh, descriptive uh, decision that people make in general so, so that we can sort of separate out if there is an actual gender difference between uh, uh, male's decision and female's decision. Yeah? So um, did you, did you, when did you describe the situation, the decision-making situation for them? And was that in the games part or? Uh, so they received um, different scenarios, 15, uh, so okay. five each. So five for the decision-making task and five for the male estimates and five for the female estimates. And then we randomized the order of um, when they received these. Um, uh, so we randomized the blocks and so that uh, we can sort of test if there is a carryover effect of asking what you would do and then um, estimating what females would do versus males would do. And in the estimation task, we uh, asked people to uh, come up with a number that is between zero to 100 and, and, and ask what percentage of male participants in this study will find this uh, utilitarian decision morally acceptable. And, and same for the female participants. And we were worried that if we just ask this question, all these um, politically correct uh, people and who, who want to be socially desirable, may uh, answer that there is no difference, it must be just a 50 or something like that. And so we gave them uh, this incentive, $25 incentive, um, to give us most accurate estimates so that, so that they don't answer based on uh, what's appropriate, but based on uh, what, what the percentage should be, so what they think is actually going on. Um, and here, the, we actually, in this one, interestingly, we found actual gender difference, um, which we didn't find in many other studies. Um, and in general, uh, there was a tendency that uh, males tend to view utilitarian decision-making more acceptable than females did. Um, but then looking across all different dilemmas, so basically here, this um, x-axis is um, different scenarios that people saw. Um, and the y-axis was the utilitarian tendency. And I just sorted based on the male response, which is the black dot, um, and then overlapped the female response on top so that you can sort of see uh, uh, whether males preferred uh, utilitarian responding uh, or females did. Uh, and so if uh, you had a question, right? Is that related to that? Yeah. Um, but then looking across all dilemmas, which was um, 25 dilemmas, only two out of 25 um, showed a reliable gender gap, which was that uh, males were more likely to choose the, the find the utilitarian decision acceptable. And so we thought those two might be driving the effect, and, and so uh, we viewed this gender, actual gender difference to be uh, quite small. Um, any questions so far? Yeah? I had a question about So it's kind of getting at the sort of social norm in that like what you think others would, so what would be the sort of general uh, general distribution of people's preference. So, um, so that's, I think, right, um, correct point about the incentive. And, um, and this is the forecasted gender difference based on uh, what they predicted. So participants predicted a uh, 15 percentage point increase in utilitarian responding for males over females. So, so they thought 60% of the males would prefer utilitarian uh, responding and, and females, uh, only 45% of the females would prefer the utilitarian responding. Yeah? So I understand this. It's actually they think that people will think that more men would. Yes. Right? 
people, okay. other people, other people will in think this group, in the entire group study group, will think, will think that, that men that. will be more likely. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, and when I just look at the overall participants, 80% of the participants also gave higher estimates for males um, compared to females when it comes to utilitarian preference. And looking across all dilemmas, all 25 dilemmas, 20 out of 25 showed a statistically significant gender gap, which means that uh, people tend to associate that uh, male must be making more utilitarian decisions. And, and this bias in the forecasted gender difference was uh, largest for those who um, held traditional stereotypes about men and women. Uh, we asked this questionnaire uh, after they concluded all these estimation tasks and it was to measure the individual difference. And, and uh, as you may predict, the ones who, who believe in the stereotypical uh, typical uh, uh, view on men's role and females' role, uh, this bias was greater for them. And if you compare the forecasted difference and the actual difference, the difference is pretty clear that people actually, so the female prediction was pretty accurate in that the actual female participants um, uh, supported the utilitarian decision about 42% of the time. And, and they predicted that, the entire population predicted that um, about 45% of the time they would support the utilitarian decision. But then when you look at the males, which is the black um, line there, it's way over than what the, um, compared to the actual male <coughs> responding, right? And so, uh, so the first study basically shows that, yes, there is some gender difference when it comes to making utilitarian decisions or supporting uh, utilitarian decisions, but people tend to overestimate males' tendency to support utilitarian decisions. Um, and in the second study, um, we recruited 100 online workers, and again, using the same wooden subject design, uh, people had to read 10 different uh, moral dilemma scenarios, and in each scenario, uh, this agent, moral agent, is either making the utilitarian decision or the deontological decision. And, and again, we used a uh, huge database of different moral decision, uh, moral dilemma scenarios. And in this one, for example, the utilitarian decision would be that ultimately Paul chooses to kick the motorcyclist into the fence to save five people, things like that. So it's the same pattern, um, but uh, here, the agent is always male because we wanted to sort of make sure that people are thinking about male, but only varying the degree of masculinity in it. And in the deontological decision, um, Paul chooses not to engage in that behavior. Uh, Susie, yep. when you talked about the study, can I ask you a question? Sure. Like you were surprised by your first results? I mean, were you surprised that you found the bias for men? Um, um, I mean, one theory could be that utilitarianism is more strongly associated with men Right. Then deontological answers are associated with women, uh -huh. and therefore you find that. But I don't actually know the literature well enough whether that is right. I don't think that there was any study that actually uh, looked at that kind of correlation before. So it was new, but then it was sort of expected that uh, both David and I expected to see this um, biased estimates for male to be more utilitarian. So even though the males are not actually making utilitarian decisions all the time, people may think that they should be making utilitarian decisions. So it was in some ways surprising to me that there, there is this such a big difference between actual distribution and the uh, forecast. So, so my, my question is slightly different. So I'm, uh, I'm not surprised by the gap. Mm -hmm. So that you know, this reminds me of the competitive versus cooperation study. So people think women are more cooperative right. than men, mm -hmm. when in fact they are, or right. vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, so that reminds me of it. But what, what surprised me, or I think if you had asked me before, I don't know, I would have predicted that is that you find the bias not so much for women's, you know, for predictions for women, right? Pretty, right. That's pretty accurate. You're saying mm -hmm. 42 or 45% choosing utilitarian, right. but the bias is for men. Right. So we're thinking it's men are much men. more utilitarian mm -hmm. than they really are. Right. But for women, we're kind of thinking they're, oh, you know, 40% are utilitarian, and that's kind of what they are. Right, right. So, so they I'm were pretty accurate about females. When you're surprised that it's the that right, and that is exactly women. why we ran this study to sort of um, dissociate whether it's the males who are more utilitarian than they are or 
it's the females that are more deontological than they are, they actually are. And it, we were surprised by the fact that it was the males uh -huh. who were driving this difference. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I think there was another question. Yeah. Yes. And that is exactly the association that I wanted to sort of get at, uh, whether there is this association in people's mind uh, between making the utilitarian decision and being masculine. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that is exactly right. Um, I think there was a question in the back. Yes? Right, yes, and I think that's the sort of, uh, um, the answer to that will sort of come up in the third study where I actually look at how people evaluate uh, different agents, whether th when that's a female agent versus male agent. And so we will sort of see how they're being evaluated later. Yeah? Is there any possibility to create some kind of uh, opposite in the same category? For example, uh, you know, uh, having a utilitarian person that could be uh, aggressive, but also somebody that is passive, but uh, at the same time is being utilitarian mm -hmm. uh, in silence. Uh, right. mm -hmm. I mean, what I'm trying to understand, it's, uh, it's quite obvious that society put a lot of bias into being a man. Mm -hmm. But also women use that sort of utilitarianism in a more, uh, how, how I will say, in their own way of being proactive. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there is any possibility to create a, a kind of a opposite within the same category mm -hmm. in order to get a little more results. Because it will, it, it is easy to come to a conclusion that men are utilitarian and women are not utilitarian. Mm -hmm. But from my point of view, as a man in a society, uh, sometimes I see women that are no utilitarian being more effective in their role of being subordinate and at the same time engage in a more uh, effective negotiation at the time of making decisions in a forum. So in the, in the research, do you think that there is any possibility to include a third element or, mm -hmm. or two other elements within the same categories in order to get a more nuanced uh, results and know these mm -hmm. sort of like black and white sort of things? So that's exactly um, where my research is going, but I unfortunately don't have the answer to that with the data yet. Oh. But I'm hoping to come up with a way to uh, so that uh, the female leadership or female leaders can make these utilitarian decisions, but without having this uh, punishment for making these utilitarian decisions. So how do we make these two things more compatible and how do we structure the organization such that um, female leadership does not have to suffer these consequences of making utilitarian decisions? So that's where I'm going and so if any of you have any thoughts on that, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. Yes? I think on a prior slide you mentioned that two of the 25 scenarios had the biggest gender gap yes. and what people said they would do. And I wonder if there was anything qualitatively different about those two. That's the thing. I that. looked. Uh, I went back to those two scenarios. I, I can't remember th those two scenarios um, off the top of my head right now, but there was no real difference between those two and the other ones. And so I, I just, I'm still quite lost about what, what was driving uh, those two scenarios to be different. Um, yeah. All right. And so in the second study, uh, so after they saw an 
agent making either utilitarian or deontological decision, um, we pair those um, scenarios with a pair of um, avatars um, like this. And so uh, we ask, do our two male faces? Um, and based on what you've read, which person do you think is Paul? When, they're, when Paul is making utilitarian versus deontological decision. <laughs> and, um, and these are avatars and I had to cut uh, their um, above their uh, forehead because um, there was no hair and it, it may signal something else like dominance and things like that. And so um, we sort of like did not include any facial hair and also there was no particular facial expressions uh, which may also signal uh, different things. And um, these pairs were selected based on the scale of masculinity and dominance, which are the traits that are uh, closely uh, correlated. And um, so these, these two photos are maximally different on the scale of masculinity, but they were similar in the scale of trust, trustworthiness and likability and some other measures that we had. And so we just pulled these um, uh, avatar pairs from a big database from Princeton and, and we used these um, pairs and um, and we had like 10 uh, different pairs that we randomized and, and so it's not just one pair but we had all sorts of other pairs that are maximally different on the scale of masculinity. Um, and here's the sort of um, uh, the decision based on uh, the scenarios they saw. So we had 10 different moral sin uh, dilemma scenarios and except for the first one, on every scenario, uh, people matched the utilitarian decision maker, Paul, with a masculine face, right? And, and for the deontological one, it was much less likely to be matched with a masculine face. And this is um, broken down by uh, the avatar pairs because there might be some difference between this pair versus the other pair in terms of how masculine it looks and how well it matches with the uh, agent of the decision uh, of the moral dilemma scenario and so um, and we had 10 different pairs but we had to get rid of one because um, because of the computer error it never actually showed up in a survey and so we had to get rid of them and so we had a total of nine uh, avatar pairs and um, here you see this clear pattern that people tend to match uh, a deontological decision maker with, uh, uh, people tend to match the utilitarian decision maker with more uh, masculine avatar right, compared to the deontological one. And so, so far, uh, we have this um, experimental evidence that our moral judgment <coughs> seems to be influenced by who the decision maker is, whether it's a female decision maker or a male decision maker. And it's also influenced by the facial features of masculinity. And so the third study that I'm going to show you now is how does this bias um, or association between utilitarian decision making and masculinity influence our uh, decision making in the context of um, uh, leadership. Um, and so in this one, uh, we had 70 online male workers and uh, we used the between subject design. So we randomized people into either one of the groups and we didn't actually use the photos of mayors in this case, um, but we just changed the name such that uh, in one case it's the mayor Elizabeth jo uh, Jones, I think, and uh, in one case it's the mayor Edward Jones. And so we just uh, manipulated the gender of the agent that way. Uh, and this is the scenario, since it's difficult to read out, I'm just gonna go over it. Um, Mid-sized U.S. city has been severely impacted by the recent economic crisis, resulting in the loss of quarter million jobs. And so faced with this um, steep budget deficits, the city is facing the prospect of becoming uh, financially insolvent. And so now the mayor has to make the decision of uh, making a huge budget cut, which will result in uh, loss of uh, government employees. And, um, and in this case, um, and, and if, if you don't, if the mayor does not make this decision, um, it could, the city ha may have to file for bankruptcy. And so 
um, presented with this choice, this mayor decides to implement this, um, the budget cuts to save the city's economy, and uh, either he or she immediately holds a press conference to inform the citizens that uh, we're cutting the jobs and wages as well as social services. And so that's the sort of uh, similar uh, moral dis uh, dilemma situation. And uh, here's what we find. So after we vary the gender of the mayor, we ask them, uh, ask people to uh, make evaluations of, on, on, on this mayor's uh, morality. So we ask questions such as, uh, did she or did he do the right thing? Uh, and uh, was it a morally appropriate decision? And things like that, and so this is a composite measure of that uh, judgment of morality. And as you can see, um, this is a statistically significant difference here. Um, Edward was viewed much more um, moral than Elizabeth when it comes to the evaluation on their act. Um, and in, when it comes to leadership, the difference was not statistically significant, but it was sort of in the predicted direction that Edward was viewed uh, his leadership was more supported and more likely to be approved by the study participants. Um, and, and although there was, a, there was no direct um, relationship between being male or be having a, a male mayor uh, being evaluated uh, with more leadership skills and, and more approval and support, um, it was mediated by the judgment of morality. And, and so this basically means that uh, although it wasn't uh, having, having a male mayor did not explain basically wh what type of, um, how much support that you have as a leader, but then, um, and, but then based on how this person's morality was judged, um, that explained the uh, relationship between uh, having a male mayor and, and, and uh, evaluated as a better leader. I'm sorry. Yeah. You say, I just want to be clear on exactly what you're saying. It's the act itself, right? It is not just it's not the person, but it's the right, act it's itself. Right. It's the act itself. So my understanding, the conclusion from this is that when uh, when Elizabeth performs mm -hmm. this action, right. the action is viewed mm -hmm. uh, less often as moral. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. So this was the action and not the character. Yes. The woman in back mentioned earlier that there was a third option of sacrificing yourself in mm -hmm. these cases, and it seems like there's also a fourth option, which is like putting the budget cuts through a referendum or facilitating mm. this decision in the RAC to throw someone overboard or not. Right. Did you guys look at that at all? No, we just presented two different options and, and use it as like that's the exhaustive um, options and not, uh, but it is true that there might be other uh, other alternatives in this case um, to deal with the same situation. Um, and so, children going back to your uh, beginning slide of uh, warmth versus competence, mm -hmm. did you also measure competence here? Yes, that's actually uh, what I was just going to ah, say. Okay. So we had measured warmth and competence and agentic uh, traits versus communal traits here. And it was in the predicted direction in that uh, uh, in that Edward was viewed a, a lot more warm than Elizabeth, but there was no difference in uh, competence. So the competence level was basically the same, but woman was hurt by making this utilitarian decision when it comes to warmth. But again, um, the caveat is that the, it was not, the warmth's uh, perception was not statistically different. It was about in the same direction and p-value of 0.0 eight, um, and so I, I did not include it here, but there it seems to be that um, there is this um, perception of warmth that was uh, being punished for, for female leaders in this case as well. Yes? Um, you might have mentioned this at the beginning, but I think for this study you said that you used all male participants yes. in the study. Mm -hmm. Did you do a comparison with females? Do you think that, I know that from the earlier slides it looks like there would still be a gap that was met if they did the same. So, um, for this one, we used male participants specifically because um, uh, to reduce the variance and all. And, and in the second set of studies, uh, we want to um, include also the female participants and to see how they respond to this one. And so that's like uh, one of the next studies that we are hoping to run. 
And um, another thing is that because here uh, we only show people that this actor is making the uh, uh, utilitarian decision, but not the deontological decision. And so maybe there is a difference uh, when it comes to what, what decision they make and also what the default is. And so in this case, um, it's hard to see what, what the default is, um, but in some other scenarios, it, it seemed like the utilitarian decision that people make seemed to be more action-oriented. I, I pushed someone off the bridge and I throw someone um, out of the lifeboat, and so uh, we want to sort of dissociate whether it's, it's about making the actions um, versus doing something more passive, and so we want to sort of dissociate that in the future studies. Yeah, I would encourage you. Uh, do you have more studies to present? Uh, no, that's the that's um, yeah. That's <coughs> I'd also encourage you to do um, like a difference in difference type of analysis rather than a straight gender um, mm. difference. There's a couple reasons. I mean, one is that it just could be that there's just a negative bias in their evaluations of female versus male leaders, and that's all you're getting. Mm. You know, that it's got nothing to do with the fact that they laid people off or anything. Um, so if you had the, the, the other thing is that there's this research by um, Monica Beardot on shifting standards, which is interesting. It basically argues that it's very hard with these one-on-one -on -one comparisons to know whether or not when they're, when they're thinking about a male mayor, whether they're comparing them mentally to male mayors or the entire population of mayors. So mm -hmm. she's like, she's got this cute study where you have a softball player, two softball players who are good and presented of and then you just look at the guy and you say, you know, how is he? Oh, he's okay. How is she? Oh, wow, she's fabulous for a woman, you know, mm -hmm. not, but that's not clear. But then which one would you want to hire for the team? Oh, the guy, because guys are better at softball than women are. And you can show how the, so what, so the, the nice thing you get from a difference in difference, so if mm -hmm. you had the, like the deontological, you know, in spite of economist reports, the mayor said there would be no layoffs, right. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The question is, is there a greater shift in perceptions for men mm. versus women across yeah. those two situations? Because the direct comparison is a little right. muddy. It's kind of yeah. hard to interpret. Mm -hmm. um, so you'd see, there'd be a little clearer on what's going on there. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, and so, uh, so what this study um, implicates is that the moral judgments are both evaluative and inferential, and so people use moral decisions and gender as a signal to understand who this person is and whether this person fits well with the job requirements. In this case, it was a mayor. And when female leaders make utilitarian decisions, um, and we should be aware that, um, that their moral self may be evaluated more negatively or their actions may be evaluated more neg negatively than males. Uh, decision, and and this is what I've been thinking um, uh, as I've been involved in this project. Uh, so, what should women leaders do uh, to to make the utilitarian decisions, but not hurt by uh, other people judging you as less moral? And and this is what uh, the literature I found have suggested that we should use a blend of agentic and communal leadership styles. And so while we're not afraid of making tough decisions and, and lead, but also be supportive, empathic, and build strong relationships. And so in this example, uh, she's basically saying, this is not good enough. I want to see the updated report by 5 p.m. today. And, and these male subordinates are not happy with that. But then later at 5 p.m., you say, make, uh, well done. Make sure you dress warm while <laughs> when you go home and say hi to your beloved wives. Uh -huh. and, I actually don't really like this um, example, <laughs> but that's what it seems. Uh, what the literature seems to suggest that you have to have this like delicate balance of having this agentic uh, uh, traits and communal leadership styles at the same time. And and I think there is more uh, organizations can do to support that this um, agentic roles and communal roles are actually compatible, and it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, and and so I wanted to uh, thank everyone and, uh, for being here and thank Iris and Hannah to uh, have this wonderful intellectual community and and I included this picture not because I not just because I wanted to uh, show warm appreciation but because um, this is an interesting photo 
because about 15 years ago, when this was uh, uh, pictured by, th when this picture was taken by a photographer and uh, was shown to people, people were really upset about this, and in that um, there is no way that these predators will hug each other and and uh, play with each other. That's misleading. It's unrealistic, and so people really hated this one. And, and 15 years later, when the same photo was shown to uh, people, they actually saw this one as much more endearing. They loved it, they posted it all over Twitter and mm -hmm. Facebook, and so they really, really loved this picture, although it's the same exact picture. And, and what happened? What happened was that um, we um, had this um, change in our perception of climate change, and now we view the polar bears as a victim and not as a predator, right? doesn't mean that we have to start viewing women as a victim, but, <laughs> but I wanted to sort of um, share this uh, little story with you to say that although there might be this um, uh, bias against women and female leadership at the top, as we see more and more women at the top, I, I, I believe that this bias will eventually change and people will see them differently. So I just wanted to end with a more positive note. <laughs> <laughs>